0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Shorts, our new podcast where we explore the emerging themes and ideas in the world of talent assessment, coaching, and technology. My name is Rhys, and today I'm pleased to be joined by my excellent colleagues, Uri Ort and Stephanie Sands. So let's not waste any time, and let's dive right in. So Stephanie, you have a huge amount of experience coaching senior leaders in some of the world's largest organizations. What would you say are the key barriers to effective coaching?
1: Thanks for having me. You too. It's uh, always great to have these conversations together. And yeah, coaching is a hot topic right now. And you know, I'll tell you, my new business plan is to be a, a coach of the coaches who are helping coaches. It, the market is saturated right now with coaches, and I think that speaks to the need that people have for coaching. But you wouldn't believe how many you know LinkedIn requests I get. From coaches who are helping coaches. And that just I think speaks to the the number of coaches out there. And I think, you know, one barrier related to that is the definition of coaching. And, you know, there are professionals out there who are advisors, consultants, you know, strategists, mediators, facilitators. We have so many different labels for this term. And I think it's really important to differentiate, you know, what each Title means. And, you know, are you looking for a coach or are you looking for someone to give you business advice? We need to differentiate as coaches what our purpose is. And I think, as, you know, it it goes both ways. I think the participants need to be clear on, you know, their need and what they are looking to solve. And there can sometimes be a mismatch between those two things. And that's where we run into issues.
0: In my experience as well, coaches. I like part therapist, part business advisor, part shoulder to cry on, and part friend, I guess, <laughs> so confident. And yeah, I think I think that's it, right? It's because of the broad role and in many ways, the ambiguous role that coaches can play, kind of having very targeted outcomes that you want to work on as an individual looking for a coach, I think should be kind of maybe a top priority that can help you find the right coach and actually set up the right strategies around how you're going to go about changing your behavior and improving whatever you're hoping to improve on.
1: Yeah, and I think you bring up another issue is whoever is seeking out the coach, is it really is it really them who needs this help or is it their manager who is saying you need a coach? And you know, we know from the research that when people have a say in you know, who their coach is, the outcomes are more successful. And it can't just be this band aid or it can't be forced upon people. It really needs to be that participant's decision to engage in coaching for the right reasons.
2: And I think that's a great point. And, and it's the same with regular therapy as well, right? Like the idea yes. that someone's partner is not doing okay and you're like, I'm going to force you into therapy is more often wishful thinking and doesn't end up working, right? Because you need to have that motivation and that behavior change. But I wonder how that, and this kind of question back to you guys, like, I wonder how that translates for the, a younger demographic, for millennials or even, or even Gen Z, right? At some point, you transition from hearing about coaching and knowing senior executives do that thing into the person who's actually either doing it or someone's recommending that you do it. And, you know, how does that view of coaching change into like, hey, I'm actually going to get a coach? What does that mean? Am I interested? What does the process look like? It, seem, it seems foreign.
1: You know, is it just a trend? You—it's almost like you know—we've we've we've normalized therapy, and people will freely say, "Oh, my therapist said this," and it became you know almost trendy, which is really positive that we've normalized therapy. You know, versus something that used to be maybe more taboo. But with coaches as well, it's like, "Oh, my," you know, my boss has a coach. I need a coach. you know what are what are the reasons, and you know, I'm sure we'll spend a lot of this discussion talking about uh, self awareness. I think it relates back to that. And do they know, you know, why they need a coach and what they need to work on? Oftentimes, you know you, you always need to start there, but oftentimes you need to backtrack because that's not where they're starting.
0: Yeah, I like that idea of because you're right. I mean, I've definitely seen that having a therapist is becoming like more trendy to kind of name drop that you, you've got a therapist and you know, that's only a good thing, especially in say some communities and in some genders, men mainly, are kind of very toxic about kind of opening up to their mental health. And so as we see that kind of take off and the stigma kind of devolve, maybe we start to see more people actually, well, I think we are seeing more people ask for coaches in the workplace at a more junior point in their careers. I guess as well, to your point, it really comes back to them making sure you have the right coach. And, uh, you know, just being a coach, isn't going to kind of help you. You've got to find someone that has the right kind of style, the right approach, the right ability to challenge you and force you to think differently. You don't want to find a coach that is exactly the same as you. Uh, It may feel more comfortable that way, but I would argue the most effective coaching comes out when someone has like the inverse um, of your your profile. That can really kind of force you to think differently and challenge that sense of self-awareness that you mentioned.
1: And to that point, Reese, you know, I think you need options. And too often leaders want to force their coaches on others and say, oh, you know, I love working with this coach. I want, you know, my team to work with them as well. Or, you know, the other way around, you want to work with the coach that your boss is working with. And you really, you really need to explore your options before you commit. It's a big decision. And You can't just rely on those referrals or the certifications, you know, all of the the letters behind their name, their education. Um, You need to factor in, you know, their personality and how you get along with them and having those initial conversations to determine. I mean, you should be having those conversations with multiple coaches to understand that chemistry. To, you know, and it goes both way, I think the interview to to really feel that out and to understand if there's a connection there, if you feel, you know, that safety and that ability to open up, because otherwise, as we know, it just it just won't work if if that's not there.
2: What would you think then if I said, you know, coaching is going to change? And the way you just described it, right? Spend time, it's an investment build a relationship and you're probably going to have that coach after you've interviewed five for, for the next couple of years. I said, no, it's going to change. You're going to text the coach soon and millennials and Gen Z, they're not going to be interested as, as they get more senior in their careers. They're not going to be interested in that long process. They want just in time coaching kind of the mm-hmm. way you have just in time, everything else. I've got a problem. I'm about to go into a meeting with my senior manager and I'm panicking or I'm feeling anxious or or I'm, you know, someone on my team is driving me bonkers. Hey, Stephanie, what do I do? And you send back, hey, well, I've met, I've chatted with you a few times before, and I have your personality results right here in front of me because it's all the same system. And so let me see. Okay, well, you tend to do ABC, try XYZ, go on and prosper. Mm-hmm. How, how does that ring yeah. to someone who has experienced coaching so many senior people?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And I think that speaks to our earlier Discussion on what type of coaching do you need? Are you looking for uh, more of that long-term relationship with your coach where you're spending more time sharing, you know, more about yourself, your previous history? Um, Or are you looking for someone that can provide that just in-time coaching or both And, you know, trying it out, not, you can't, you know, spend too much time. Oh, I need to make sure I have the right coach and go through this long process. And, you know, that can, that can be detrimental as well. And so, you know, testing it out, working with a a coach that is more of that just in time advisor and seeing if the advice that they give you is helpful. And if not, not being afraid to, uh, to jump ship and end that relationship and be honest about it and find someone else or a different process or a different tool that is more meaningful for you.
0: So what I'm hearing is definitely a try before you buy.
1: Yeah. uh,
2: It's kind of like saying that we can start there and then move on to a, so instead of maybe going through the older process that might've been, I need a coach, five recommendations, initial meetings with all of them. It'll just, we, we may see a system where the coach will benefit because the coach will get paid for those 15 minute chats or text the coach or whatever it is and then over time might be hey you know i've been doing this just in time coaching with stephanie for a while we're getting along really well okay let me schedule an hour actually and it kind of grows or it's like no actually this time i'm not going to choose stephanie because the last few pieces that was actually gave me were unhelpful
1: It's being patient. No, it's, you know, we can't expect the, you know, the coaching to be this miracle that, you know, after three sessions, I'm a completely different leader. I've, you know, fixed all these problems. I've improved in all these ways. We know that it takes time. And so it's finding that balance of, you know, being flexible enough to try something new, to know when it's not working, but to allow enough time to practice those skills, to let it sink in, to test it out.
0: I think I'd add to that. And you kind of touched on it earlier, but it's this idea that you, your development, and what you're getting out of your coach is not happening in a vacuum. Yeah, I think you have to appreciate what are the larger team dynamics, the cultural kind of factors in your organization, in your department, and trying to find a way, if even kind of changes, say, possible within that environment, right? If it's incredibly toxic... The, pr- the problem may not actually be with you. Maybe you don't need a coach. Maybe you need to find a different way of working or yeah. an actual different environment. And I think maybe the most effective coaching arises when there is this congruence where you have the right culture that supports development, feedback, psychological safety. And then you have that coach that is able to challenge your thinking and is actually able to structure using data and science, a way of modifying your behavior or, or kind of steering you in the right direction.
2: I have a question then. This kind of touches on what you mentioned before about about using data and science within the coaching process. You don't see within the larger assessment organizations, there being a push towards matching coaches based on mutual results, right? It's usually I'm the coach. And then of course, I'm certified in assessment X. Let's just say Hogan, for example, I'll give you a Hogan and then I'm going to coach you based on a Hogan, right? But we don't see hogan recommending or a coaches saying you know what i think you're going to be a great match for this coach because you're hot you're really low prudence they're really high prudence and therefore they're going to have a perspective that's different than yours and they'll you know really naturally be be able to share with you what it's like to be on the other side do you think that that is something that's valuable or important in the coaching process or could you just kind of your coach is certified in the tool put yourself in the shoes of whoever and whatever and be successful, regardless.
1: Yeah. I think it could work the other way as well. When you know, when I've coached people that are, have very similar profiles to me, you do have that understanding of what that looks like, of what you've tried that's worked or failed, and that can be a very meaningful perspective as well. Just because you have a similar dissimilar profile than your your coachy, I, I hate that term, but you know what I, you know what I mean. I don't think that's the be all end all to determining that match. I really think that chemistry matters, and your ability to really feel comfortable working with that person and that psychological safety, that trust those qualities need to be there to have good relationships and you know you need someone that's going to ask you the right questions that's going to challenge you, and that person may or may not have a similar profile to you or not. but I think taking those things into consideration are definitely important.
2: it's interesting that we're regardless and i'm i'm not 100% sure i agree with the benefits of being either you know kind of congruent or having the opposite perspective i think at least you benefit more from the opposite perspective you may have more of that synergy in the coaching mm-hmm. experience because hey like we're literally the same it's great and i don't know you know i'm not an expert on this so taking it with a grain of salt and i imagine from my own experience right working with people who are the opposite of me i they can tell me hey this is how i do it right like i I'm super low on conscientiousness, for example, right? I'm what we call deeper signals. We'd call me really flexible, right? And so it's easy for me to then talk to someone who's very disciplined and say, okay, well, I keep fourteen to-do lists, and I have my calendar set up this way, and those are very, you know, practical examples of coaching. But but regardless, whether I'm right or wrong, you'd imagine there would be a bit more of a push to match coaches with coaches based on data and science, and that we don't see mm-hmm. at all, right?
1: No, yeah, no, I I agree with you that having that different perspective is incredibly valuable. I think just taken to the extreme, I've seen cases where the coach and the participant are so different that they can't form those strong relationships and, you know, they almost speak different languages. And so um, there's more resistance and that can get in the way of a strong relationship that creates that change. But no, I, I do agree that having those different perspectives more often than not can be more impactful.
0: Related to this, like it's, it's harder to match people if you're not tracking change or actually objectively measuring the outcomes of your coaching engagement. I think that's one thing I've seen yeah. a lot is that actually how expensive coaching can be if you you know, are really working with some senior leaders and some really reputable firms, yet we aren't really tracking actually, how, what is the ROI here? It's very much kind of your own subjective kind of sense. And maybe, yeah, you do kind of 360 ratings, that kind of stuff. But I think there is an opportunity here to think about, okay, how can we actually really prove the, the ROI of, of coaching? How can we actually really objectively measure change, the change in how you're making decisions, the change in how you're managing reputation and your, your behavior? I think that's a bit of an opportunity that I'm seeing in the coaching space. So there's just one final question that I want to ask you guys. And we haven't necessarily touched on it, but it definitely seems to be emerging throughout, as a foundation for everything that we've been discussing, which is the importance of self-awareness as being this foundational aspect of coaching. And what I want to ask you both is, can we and how do we build a more self-aware workforce that isn't just for leadership?
1: Yeah, back to Uri's point. I think to create that stickiness, you really need to create that culture of of self awareness, of feedback, uh, trust, psychological safety, curiosity, growth mindset. Insert any buzzword you want, but we're all trying, you know, to achieve the same thing and move from, you know, as Microsoft termed it, moving from a know it all culture to a learn it all culture, and to model that top down. You know, the leaders need to engage in that curiosity and you know not just say oh my my managers my directors need a coach but i'm good you, you know we hear that a lot but to scale leadership development as well and and not just keep it at the top of the house but to encourage growth and self-awareness across all levels will help create that culture of self-awareness and you know using similar tools Help create that common language as well. And you know, the curiosity about the self as well as others is important. So the more you can share what you're learning about yourself, and you know, others will benefit from that and they will feel more comfortable sharing that as well. And you'll just see the the benefit snowball from there.
2: I mean, if you think about it, if you don't have the self-awareness piece, you really you're missing the foundation. You can't really build with a coach on top of nothing. And that's why even before you get to coaching, if you can help the organizations be more self-aware, then there's a significant ROI. And then you're kind of preparing everyone for having maybe a coach later on.
1: And, you know, start with yourself. I think we're so keen to say, oh, I want to help this person with their self-awareness or my team, or, you know, it's not me. But if we would all just take ownership, for our own self-awareness and focus on that and, and start with ourselves and take on that responsibility, I think we'd see great positive yeah. change from that. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're just too keen to focus on other people.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree there. So I just want to round out a conversation and keeping with this theme of self-awareness, what two pieces of advice would you give to anyone that is looking to become more self-aware? Take a deep personality up- assessment. that was a nice subtle uh plug there i like it yeah but i'm very subtle
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i agree you take responsibility for yourself and and use good tools um and you know be skeptical about the, the tools that you're using when someone sees a result that doesn't fit with what they know about themselves that's like gold because you can you know, then dive into that and say, okay, why, why does this fit or not fit? And is it really me? Or is it, you know, how I'm perceived by others, Uri, I know you're a big proponent of Tasha Yurik's book insight and, you know, the difference between, you know, self-awareness, you know, having two forms, you know, what you know about yourself and what you really want and how you're perceived by other people and diving into those two perspectives can be incredibly meaningful.
2: Very good. Yep, exactly. And- Anything to add to that, Eric? Yeah, so I, w- I was kidding, but not kidding. I think using some kind of data-driven feedback tool um, that will give you feedback to Stephanie's point that you may or may not like to hear is, is the first and most important step if you want to become more self-aware, right? You can't just keep on thinking to yourself and writing in your diary. You need some kind of outside sounding board. As Tomas likes to say, reality doesn't go away when you
0: stop thinking about it. So. <laughs> Very good, very good.
1: 100%.
0: Well, Stephanie, Uri, thank you so much for uh, joining me today and sharing your thoughts.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Brilliant. So, I think there are three key takeaways from this discussion. The first is that gaining self awareness really is the foundation for any coaching intervention. The second is that while technology is changing the way we support coaching and change, we really should make sure it's grounded in both science and data. And then finally, Leaders should be using these tools to not only coach, say more junior and mid-level employees that are otherwise overlooked using traditional coaching engagements, but actually start to build a more self-aware organization.